Coming up next on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. I think in the difficulties of the world, uh, this entertainment-saturated, narcissistic, look-at-me, short-attention-span type of culture that we're in, the church of Jesus Christ cannot veer from the message of the gospel. We have to stay true to the word. Even though we might be tempted to leave it, we might be tempted to water it down, we might be tempted to soften it up, we must stay true to the Word of God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You While the message of the gospel must never be changed or altered in any way, the methods can and should change through the years. But are we open to what the Lord is wanting to do? Are you resistant to change or accepting of it? Think that through with us today on Abounding Grace as we dive back into 2 Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, Ed opens 2 Kings chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 9. Then the king sent to him, sent to Elijah, a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him, and there he was, sitting on the top of a hill, and he spoke to him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down. And so Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Just straight up. He sent another, now, you know, so this happened. Ahaziah sends another group of 51. He sent him another captain of 50. And he answered, verse 11, said, A man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. And Elijah answered, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. This is an interesting bedtime story for your kids. (laughs) These are the ones they trip out on. This happened. We know it happened because we see it repeated in the New Testament, and I'll show you in a moment. We see this scenario repeated in the New Testament, but let's look at this just for a moment. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, why don't you circle in verse 9 at the end, circle the phrase, come down. And then also, if you want to make a note in your Bible, in verse 11, come down quickly. And somewhere in there, just make a notation. These are often the words of the enemy to get you away from what God's called you to do. Come down. There's familiar words. Come down. You're, you know, if you are a man of God, come down. The king wants you right now. The king wants you right now. And he sent 51 men to go do this. He didn't send a, the, the, so this isn't a positive, this isn't a positive thing. You don't send 51 men to, to go get one man and come down. The king wants to talk to you and kind of reason with you and find out if it's really true. And he wants to see how hairy you are these days. And it's not like that. He's sending, just, just as we will see later, where Elisha has a whole army sent to him with his, with his servant. It wasn't for a positive thing. And this is the way it is. This is the way it is 
that people, situations, even perhaps the devil himself, the demonic realm, seeking to bring us down away from fellowship, away from the highlands into the lowlands. Let me just show you real quick. Turn over to Nehemiah chapter 6, because we see this in the life of Nehemiah, and it happened with another person, another person. Again, the enemies of God, the enemies of God's work are calling Nehemiah away from what he's supposed to be doing. So pick up with me in Nehemiah chapter 6. And I, I want to show you where, I want to show you real quick here um, where that is. Nehemiah got moved in my Bible, so I put it back in its right place. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab. Now if we were writing this, we were studying Nehemiah together, and this was a movie, you would have to say, like, so I want you to do it right now so everybody can hear you. This is like a movie. It's been real cool. We've got the hairy guy, Elisha. Now we're here. Nehemiah's doing a great work. And when these guys' names show up, you've got to boo them, just like you would in the movies, all right? So let me just read them and see how you respond to them. Now when it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, boo, exactly. Every time you hear their names, you've got to, because they're the enemies of God. Now, that was kind of a funny, silly thing to do, wasn't it? But think about how many enemies you've allowed in your life and you're unwilling to take a stand against them. And I know it's silly. Boo, you know, this would be, this is where, in the movie where the music would change, the scene would get dark, it, it would show some kind of sinister look and the angle of the camera would be, man, it would be obvious these guys are evil and they're up to no good. Just consider that in your life. Is there anything evil and up to no good in your life? Or have you invited some kind of fellowship or a yoking together with an unbeliever or with an, a situation that you just know you should be booing and removing from your life, not just accepting it as if it's just normal. It's what people do. It's what the world does. It's no big deal. That there's no distinction between believer and unbeliever alike. Well, there's a distinction here. They, it's, Nehemiah's writing and he says, these guys heard and the rest of our, how do we know they're enemies? Because the Bible says the rest of our enemies. Nehemiah was no dummy. He was a wise, strong leader. And they had heard that I rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it. Though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates. And that's some ballad and Geshem sent to me saying, you guys didn't boo him, see? You're already accepting him. No, never mind, never mind, it's over. Don't worry about it. He said, listen to what they say. Doesn't that sound like what we just read in Kings? Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plains of Ono. And notice, he got the gift of discernment, this discerning thing, but they thought to do me harm. Come on down. Come on down. Come to the plains of Ono. And he sent messengers, verse 3, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message. What does your Bible say? four times, and I answered them the same way. The progress of God was so obvious. The walls are rebuilt, everything's happened. It was so obvious. It was obvious to everyone, including, listen, the progress of God in your life is so obvious. Your family sees it, your kids see it, people see it, and so do the enemies of God. Your progress is obvious. There are changes going on in your life. The Holy Spirit is changing you from the inside out. You're talking different, doing different, thinking different, acting different. Everything about you is making progress in the things. That you look the same, but then even then, there's a brightness in your countenance. Same face, different way it looks. And, and it's noticeable to the people that love you, and it's noticeable to the people that either you, you could say hate you or hate God. 
doesn't matter. Now that you're associated with God, they hate you. And that was one of those things, you know, when you got, you're a new believer, you're like, nobody told me people would hate me. I thought we were a kingdom of love, man. But look what they did to your Savior. They killed Jesus for his love and his goodness. And it's evident. Not everybody's happy with your progress. Not everybody's happy with the changes in your life. And so there will be those temptations as they come down to the plains of Ono. Come on down. And what they're really saying is, we want to hurt you and get you alone and take you out because we don't want the progress of, of the rebuilding of life, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of your home, the rebuilding of your family, the rebuilding of... No, come on down. Come on down. Let's have a discussion in the plains. Come on down where you'll be vulnerable, where you'll be open, where you have no protection. Come on down. And Nehemiah could see it for what it was. He says, man, they, they want to hurt me. I'm not going down. And the answer to, him, the answer to them was No. I'm not going down to them. Oh, no, I'm not going down with you. No way. And you would think that would be enough. You just say no. That's one of the best words that you can use in your vocabulary to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's say no. But don't miss this, that after Nehemiah said no, they kept coming after him. Kept coming after. Four times it's mentioned here. You know, one time would kind of be annoying. Two times would kind of be, but four times, like I said no. It's like a temptation to get into the flesh just to say no. And that's how the enemy is. He doesn't play by the rules. He has no rules. The enemy's asking Nehemiah to negotiate, to work with him, to compromise. And he does the right thing. Nehemiah says no, and he shuts it down. And he shuts it down again. And he shuts it down again. The life, much of our lives will be, will be characterized by shutting down the temptations of the enemy over and over and over again. So, you know, we're not going to be like Elijah and call fire down from heaven you know, and just wipe these guys out. But that was his way of saying no. You know, he, he, he wipes them out a couple of times. He wipes out 102 people. If I am a prophet of God, then let fire come down. Boom! Wipes them out. Wipes them out. Not quite Nehemiah, but it worked. You know, he took care of them. Now, I mentioned that it's also something that we see in the New Testament. Some of you are very familiar with this. Some of you are not. So let me show you. Turn over to Luke chapter 9. Verse 51, lest you think that this is a not a true story, notice with me in Luke's gospel, chapter 9. We had a couple guys that were known as the sons of thunder. Their names were James and John. James and John. They were Bible students. And what story of the Bible, what true story of the Bible did they, were they familiar with? Well, let's notice in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So they met with a group of people that did not receive Jesus. That's, that's all they did. They didn't accept him, didn't receive him. Now, when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Just as Elijah did. Can you imagine how long they waited for this moment? How long? You know, James and John was a rough, they were rough brothers, man. They, you know, I, I picture James and John sort of like all the rest of the disciples, they had robes, but James and John had leather jackets, you know, and they were rough. And they were just, man, do you, you know what? They will not do that to you. 
And we know about Elijah, and we've always wanted to see that. So do you want us to call down just like Elijah? And notice his answer. He turned and rebuked them. He said, do you not know what manner of spirit, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. As we tie this up, when you pray for God to break someone's teeth, as David did, and you kind of feel like David, and you want to kind of pray like David, Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to break teeth, he says, in a very real way. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. That's the work of the Lord. He turns to them and just says, it's not about destruction, guys. It's about salvation. It's about rescuing. And that's a measurement we can use in our own lives. Do our thoughts save a person or destroy them? Do do our words save a person or destroy them? Do our actions save a person or destroy them? Because as we understand the, the lives of James and John, you know, they do change. They're not sons of thunder anymore. As a matter of fact, John gets a brand new, he gets a brand new nickname. He's known as the apostle of love. Now, of course, he always referred to him as the one that Jesus loved. But as he was a pastor serving and going from community to community to share the gospel, especially in his older age, in his 90s, he became the apostle of love. So is it, is it possible to be, you know, just to get it wrong and to, to think that, that, you know, I want to destroy them and go through all those emotions and then become a person of love? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And John, the son of thunder, becomes the apostle of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That God can take a harsh and insensitive person and give you tenderness and compassion. Well, back in 2 Kings now, the answer from Nehemiah was no. The answer from Elijah was no. It was different in how it was addressed, but they both answered no. Just like you and I, we need to say no to the temptations of the, of the enemy, to the temptations of our flesh that are always with us. Pick up in verse 13, 2 Kings 1. Back there with you. The Bible says, And again he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men. Okay, what's going to happen here? The third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants be yours, uh, be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s and their 50s, but let my life now be precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is, is it because there's no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. I like that. The, the message from God to Elijah didn't change. He stayed true to the message. And I think in the days in which we live, I think in the difficulties of the world, the, this entertainment-saturated, narcissistic, look-at-me, short attention span type of culture that we're in, the church of Jesus Christ cannot veer from the message of the gospel. We have to stay true to the word. 
even though we might be tempted to leave it, we might be tempted to water it down, we might be tempted to soften it up, we must stay true to the Word of God. The Word of God is eternal. It is settled in heaven. It is not changing. The methods by which we share it, how we deliver it, that's all going to change. You know, we, 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 we have to be careful to make sure we're, we're speaking to the culture, that, that we're taking the Word of God and we're contextualizing it within the culture and being able, like, like when I use, when I use illustrations about uh, telephones with cords attached to them, everyone under 40 years old, 30 years old, don't even know what I'm talking about. They've never seen a, a telephone with a cord attached to it. They don't even know what I'm talking about. When I tell them, go look it up in the card catalog in the library. What? Is that like Google men, you know? And, like, like, and then there's even stuff that I can't keep up with. All these little hidden chat things and all these little encrypted things where they're sexting one another. And I can't even keep up with it all. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter how the culture changed. The Word of God speaks to every culture the same way. It's powerful and will change a life if you'll submit yourself to Him. It doesn't matter what new tool the enemy invented. It doesn't matter what you're doing to sin against God and get into the base, depraved things of, like, the message doesn't change. But I'll tell you what, if we don't change how we deliver it, we're going to lose generation after generation after generation. That's why when we make a change here at, at Calvary, we make a change that says, well, you know, I don't know, why, why, are, you do, why are you doing that? We've always done it this way. It's a check in your spirit. Like, well, why are we doing it always this way? There's a whole new generation. Is the church just for you? I thought you were already saved. So you should be praying for people that aren't saved that we might be able to attract them and draw them and like, you're already saved. So be happy about that and get in the ball game to see other people saved. But churches, they fall apart. Churches fall apart where, where, where people get so set in their ways and we can't change it. This has always worked for us. Well, praise God, it's always worked for you. But man, we're in a different world. This is not, you know, like, like in our own movement, in our own movement, it's very easy to go, well, you know, back when, when, when there were hippies, you know, how we were reaching the hippies. And I remember when we started using cassette tapes, you know, if we still use cassette tapes, we'd reach nobody. <laughs> Except there's somebody listening going, I still have a cassette player. I'm not, we're not talking about you, all right? So just, I have one too, and I don't use it. I haven't used it for years, but like, like, you know, remember the good old days. Remember the good old days when we were just there and, and, the, and we were reaching all the hippies. Man, the hippies grew up, man. They got married and have kids, and they're not hippies anymore. If they still are, they're up in Boulder, and we're not, you know, that's, that's where they are, man. Like, we, we, like in our movement, like we have to understand the hippies of today are different but they're still the same. Like, you know, people checking out of society, getting drunk, getting high, like, you know, the opiate epidemic. You know, wh why is that such a big deal now? Why is opiate such a big deal now? Because marijuana is legalized. Mark my words. You open up the gateway for drugs and you make it a government-sponsored thing. You say, come on, I don't care what the experts say. It's all right. We can make money off this. You know, these temporary politicians that are in office and then get their money and leave. They, man, hey, it's a open up a gateway. Do you think it's going to stop there? It can't stop there because sin is never satisfied. And anyone that's ever been addicted to drugs or alcohol or both, you know because it wrecked you. You don't tell me for a second that all you did was smoke one joint a week your whole life. That's not what happened. One became two, two became five, 
five became 10, you started running out of money and somebody offered you something they could do a little bit more, a little bit cheaper, and you jumped up and you jumped up and you jumped up. And then you find out, you know, opiates are much harder to get. You find out, man, I gotta get this prescription, but then the doctor and then there's a paper trail. Guess what? You can get opiates on the streets of Aurora in the form of heroin. And then when they cut that with acid or they cut that with other stuff, people die and overdose. Listen, we have got to change the delivery method of the gospel in order to reach that. We have to speak the language of the people. Because too many, of, too many pastors, if we're not careful, we'll be speaking over people's heads. We'll be saying stuff they have no idea what you're talking about. They, what do you mean by that? And, and so we've got to adapt ourselves to the audience the message never changes. And I see that in Elijah. The message didn't change. But he's not calling fire down from heaven anymore. That changed. For, for the king, all he had to do was tell it to him. And, and so I, I know as a church family, I'm just speaking to you because you might see changes here. We, we, you know, we might have a light here or we might have fog here. Or we might have some crazy band here. Or I thought personally myself, Last night, one of the things that just so blessed me at the harvest, I walk in here, you know, we, we started using the sanctuary here and all the stuff was in here and I walk in and it's popping in here. The kids are happy. Parents, you know, you know some of them were, some of them were sitting down, they're all tired and, and uh, some were watching their kids because it was over here, getting their kids whacked out and that was good and said, do it again, son, do it again. You know, that was good, that was good. So, so but, but one of the things is it was hopping like musically in here. Well, you know, it's not, that's not my playlist, I'll tell you that. It wasn't my playlist. But man, it, the kids, it was, it was, and, and, and then I finally walked to the back and, and we had a DJ back there. Like whoever's idea that was, was stellar. That would have never been my idea. If we're sitting around a table, hey Ed, what's your idea? I don't know, like I, you know, let's play, uh, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't have never come up with that, just put it that way. I would have never come up with that. And, and somebody came up with that idea on our team and it resonated with the kids. This place was packed all night, and it resonated. And some of you walked in and go, I don't know, I don't like this music. Well, guess what? And then it wasn't for you. Thanks for listening today to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, as you close things out, you were encouraging us to be open to what the Lord is wanting to do and new things. It may look a little different than the way things went 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Why do you think so many are resistant to change today? Larry, I've got one word for you, comfort. <laughs> yes. We love comfort and predictability, and we don't like things to be disrupted. And we like things the way they always have been. Because when we changed a while ago, we were uncomfortable with it. And now that it's comfortable, we don't want any more change. But I believe the Lord's always wanting us to be ready to be poured from vessel to vessel. He doesn't want us becoming like Moab, who settled in on their lees. He doesn't want us to become old wineskins, where we can't take anything new. But God is always doing something new, because everything is new for the Lord. And what I mean by that is not that he's writing new scripture or, you know, like there's anything new under the sun, but God is doing a fresh new work as it relates to our lives. And we're experiencing God in new, fresh ways. And I was just doing some discipleship time with our staff on this very topic, reminding us that we, we want to embrace the changes that God has for us. We want to move forward. We want to honor the past, but we want to... Uh, look forward to the future. We want to honor the past and, and recognize 
the shoulders on which we stand, but we also want to know that God's doing a fresh thing today. For example, if you want a copy of our Bible study after service, we don't have cassette tapes anymore. They don't even make them anymore because um, so much has changed, and we just need to adapt to change and even get ahead of the curve on change sometimes, being led by the Spirit as He wants to do a fresh work. And we sing that song, Lord, just make us new wine. Pour us out, Lord. Do a fresh work in us, and He will. God is wanting to do a fresh work in this generation, and it's sure exciting to be a part of it. You can hear this message in its entirety at calvaryaurora.org. It's called, Our Only Help is from God. See if this sounds familiar. You make a New Year's resolution to break a bad habit once and for all. And maybe you experience some short-term success, but then that undesirable behavior rears its ugly head again. Is it really possible to break the cycle of addictive behavior? And if so, how? Erwin Lutzer points the way in his insightful book, Getting to Know. That's N-O. You'll discover it is possible to break a stubborn habit with God's help. Get a copy of this helpful book as we begin 2019 when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. As you do, you'll be helping us continue delivering God's Word on this station in the year ahead. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryaurora.org. We'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 